to connect your faith to your everyday life. Welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, it's kind of a Christianese phrase, but God being in the valleys. Life is full of ups and downs, and he is in both of those places. And today we're going to be talking specifically about the valleys, and then next week we're going to talk about some of the other places that God is in. What do you mean by valleys? Like just when you, because you said right off the bat, this is very Christianese. God of the valleys is like, you know, that's that's elevation worship straight out of uh, graves into gardens, like loving the God of valleys. But what does that mean for anybody who's maybe not familiar with the terminology? Yeah, for sure. You know, like, like I said, a little Christianese there, but it's recognizing that God is consistent throughout all of time throughout all of space, like all that God is consistent. I mean, he is God both in our highest moments and mm-hmm. in our lowest and his care and love for you doesn't change though. You might feel it a little bit differently because of where you are at in your own life. You feel like you're in the Valley. So valleys are, they're just the low moments. That's kind of what we're approaching this as is valleys are low points in life. Maybe you're not feeling yeah. the best. Yeah. Yeah. Low moments, plateaus, the things that just you don't look at and be like, hey, this is great. Yeah. Those times in your life when you're not vibbing so hard. No, no vibbing. Going no vibbing. No vibbing. Um, so God is in the valleys. But uh, when we're going through those valleys, well, I got to ask, what do we do, man? What do we do when we're in that valley point in life? What's the start us off with some practical advice that we can you, do? Yeah, yeah. The thing that I think might be the hardest is keeping disciplined and keeping consistent on like staying in a routine of connecting with God. Yeah. Like just just that from a base level of like even if you feel distant from God, you need to continue to try because that's going to that's going to help you a lot. You might not realize it but God's walking through you with those things and you can't just turn off. Like I'm not feeling great. So I'm not going to try to connect with God. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to really not feel great. I think, I think uh, this is probably a little out of order from how we normally do it. I think we typically do the practical stuff at the end, but I think it's a, it's actually important for this week to start with this because the truth is, even if you don't listen to the second half of this episode, uh, God's still with you. That God's not going to not be with you, period. If you take that home, that's that's the message today. Is God is always with you, right? But um, what we can do is we can still walk away from him. Even if God never leaves us, he will let us walk away. And that's where, yeah, this routine is really big. Having some kind of routine in, in our relationship with God and on a daily, a weekly, uh, we didn't really say anything monthly, but I don't, can't think of a monthly thing, but daily, weekly, yearly routines. Um, now, routine is is not like a Christian thing, obviously. So what are... yeah, <laughs> routine, cre- Christianese, throw the red flag at it. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Everybody can understand routine. The church now owns the word routine. All your routines are belong to us. So what are what are some specifically Christian routines and what kind of routine do we need to have? Uh, let, let's start on a daily basis 
when we're going through the valleys. So even though we know God's not going to walk away from us so that we know we're not accidentally straying from him, what are some daily things we got to do? It's going to be the most generic Christian answer, but you need to pray and you need to stay in scripture. Yeah. That's yeah, it's, it's generic, but it's, the simple things that help us build our life. Yeah. It's, I think this is, it's so simple. And I think that's the reason why so many people miss it. I, I mean, the, the metaphor I always use is if you were in a relationship with someone uh, like a, a dating or marriage relationship with someone who talked with you for one minute a week, only in the presence of other people, and their entire conversation with you was, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And that was it. And then they just didn't talk to you again until next week. Like that relationship is not going to last. But that's the way that we treat our relationship with God. The prayer's got to be daily. It's got to be daily and it's got to be consistent. Excuse the buzzing of my phone. I don't know what just happened there. But prayer's got to be daily. It's got to be consistent. And, um, you know, we have to, you have to talk. You have to talk and have a relationship with God because that will prevent, ideally, that feeling of God leaving you. Uh, and then scripture, same thing. I mean, we've all, if you're an adult, you've built an Ikea piece of furniture at some point or another. Um, is, is that the mark of uh, Gen Z millennial adulthood? IKEA? Yes. Yes. If you have built your own, not helped a friend, you built your own Ikea furniture, uh, then you know you don't just throw out the instruction manual. You got to read it. I mean, maybe maybe oh, you're mechanically oh, you inclined. Like at the beginning, you follow through with it. Because I know many people that are done, they're like, it's complete. Throw that thing out. No, no. I'm talking about in the beginning. Yeah, I throw it. After I built it, I know how to do it I was again. so confused for a second. No, but at, you, you don't just throw the manual out before you build it. You have to read the manual. And that's, again... We can understand that, but scripture, it's the same thing. Every single day, you got to be in the manual. That's God's words for us. It's God's words on how to hopefully avoid some of the valleys in the first place, but also how to navigate the valleys. And it's in scripture that we get that reminder, hey, God is with you in this time. Every day, I know it's churchy, but you got to have those two. Yeah, I think of it like water. Okay. Because we, we require water. That is very Christian East also, but water, yep, water is references. It? No, no, this is like physical health. You need to have water Oceans. to function, right? Grace like rain. Very <laughs> Okay, yes. Water is a very Christian symbol in many ways, but like from the, the standpoint of like, I need water to live. And I think it's a mass issue. At least everybody I know is like some level dehydrated at like some point in the day or another, but then everybody gets to a point and they're like, man, I feel awful. Yeah. And then I'll always ask I, when we're on a trip and my students <laughs> say, man, I have a headache. I'm like, how much water have you had? It's always my first question. I'll be like, all right, go, go sit down, drink some water. Mm-hmm. And then 20 minutes later, they're like, Oh, I feel fine now. I'm like, you were dehydrated. Yeah. This is very similar where it's like when you, when you're doing it, you don't realize that, it's making everything function right. But when you stop doing it, you're like, I'm dehydrated. I need this. Yeah. It's so. the same with God. It, you know, it's that daily constant presence. The longer you stay away, the quicker things start to fall apart. So 
prayer, scripture, um, that's that's the, the first keys to getting through these valley moments um, on a weekly level. Because, you know, it's not just about daily routine. Sometimes it's larger routines too. Uh, gathering, Sabbath, and serve. If you can remember those three things, man, just you have to be around other Christians. You have to be around other believers. If you're a believer, you need community. And again, you know, I go back to, to metaphors. Metaphors are great. We can understand that like, I don't know, if you're an engineer, then you typically go to engineering conferences periodically. You you spend time around other engineers. If you're uh, a manager, they have manager meetings. You have to have community with other people who are doing the same thing. And the same is true for our faith. Uh, Sabbath, I'll let you talk about that one. Well, I know that's your favorite. I'll remind you that this is not the whole of the episode. And we're already like nine oh, minutes man. in here. So yeah. I can't talk about Sabbath for the next 45 minutes. Next episode. Maybe the episode oh. after that because we got one planned already. But man. But like, that's a rhythm that I think is so important for yeah. us. Uh, Jesus invites us into like, his, we're taking his yoke, feeling the unforced rhythms of grace as uh, the message paraphrase puts that verse. And I'm going to pop that verse into the notes later. But these things like Sabbath, these churchy things, these Christian things that people will be like, you're lazy for not working seven days straight every week. No, it's good. It's healthy. We're not meant to work nonstop. You don't work and work and work and work until you just fall over dead. At least you're not supposed to. You're supposed to enjoy life. Find joy. Connect with God. Slow down. Yeah. Take a full day off. Not just the five-minute break here and there, but find some joy in things. Yeah, and I'll add again, I think a lot of this is it's preventative as much as it is like helpful for getting through your valleys. Um, well, I think it might even be, yeah, yes, it's preventative, but it can also be like, if you are in a, a situation where you've just worked multiple weeks straight without gathering, without having a Sabbath, yeah. like those things will also not necessarily cure, but they will comfort. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then lastly, uh, for a weekly basis, this is something where it's going to actually be the exact opposite of Sabbath, but sometimes we, we fail on this end too, is you got to serve. Um, the reason I say that is not because service is necessarily restorative, but because taking time to serve others reminds us that the world and God's plan is beyond ourselves. It reminds us of why it is that we're here. Because sometimes I think when we get in those valley moments, we can get really stuck. And mentally, we can just be like, oh man, whatever this valley is that I'm walking through, this is just everything. My whole world's just falling apart. Um, and I think having some way to serve and, and moderating it, moderating your service with rest, but having some way to serve can can help remind us as we walk through the valleys that you know what this is there are bigger things than me there are, there are better days ahead and you know there's things at work still uh, we we can see God at work and I think that's it's really crucial to find some way to to be serving even if it's just something little just being an usher or something at church whatever it is just have some little way that you can serve um, well and I think part of the Sabbath job is to help you find joy in connecting with God. Yeah. And I think that there can be Sabbath rest and service together. Those things aren't like separated from each other. Cause I know some people that they, they find great joy 
in stacking chairs. I love stacking chairs. I'm not going to lie. Like that, I say that totally seriously. I love like being the cleanup guy and like stacking chairs and moving You're seven at a time. Right like field. Yes. Yes. I'm that guy carrying seven chairs at once, you know? Oh, you would be that guy. But like there, there can be joy in the service as well. But like you say, there is there's a complete and total balance of that. That Sabbath rest, what's actually restful and fulfilling and connecting you to God yeah. versus what is an obligation service that I feel like I have to provide. Yeah. Um, and, and those are things that you just got to feel out. Ben, what about a uh, annually? What should yeah. you do every year? Yeah. So this is, I'm going to, we're just going to breeze right through this because that's only the one thing that we had mentioned, but I think it's really important. Um, and it's, it's retreat. That that word I think has been kind of demonized. Like there's even a there was a group of Christians, um, not like a specific group, but like a, a sect almost that said we don't go on retreats. We go on what is it, attacks or something like that. Like we don't ever charges charges. Yeah, we don't go on retreats. We go on charges. And it's like no, that's not saying Mars Hill yet again. <sighs> it's not just Mars Hill though. But anyway, the point is a retreat is not like a retreat from battle. A retreat is it's like an extended Sabbath. Um, even the the Jewish people, like once a year, they had like celebrations and and like long periods of rest beyond just the the weekly Sabbath. And every seven years, they had a whole year of jubilee. Like everybody, you just you let the ground rest, you let the people rest, you, you free your slaves, you like everything gets reset every seven years. So like, it, there's nothing wrong with this, and and it's actually it's supposed to be part of our rhythm is. On a annual or semi regular basis, say, have an extended break. You know that that's a necessary routine to to keep us away from and to help get us back out of those valley moments. Um, now, this is this ends the, the the practical portion of our lesson here. Um, so the rest of this all applies whether you believe it or not, whether you do it or not. So we still want you to hear it. We still want you to listen, but uh, I just felt like we needed to start with that practical. So if we lose someone in the first half, at least like you got some steps to take away, Man, but they really had us in the first half. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about valleys. We're talking about um, preventative measures and things like that. But so Let's make this less Christianese. What are some specific kinds of valleys, particularly for the, the age range of people that are, are primarily listening to this podcast? What are some specific kinds of valleys that we're going to be likely to find ourselves in? I think the first valley that we, we had talked about a bunch of these and we'll get to them. But the first one is a natural part of life. Just say it. The end of life. Just death. say it. Um, it, it's something that at some point, I mean, we will experience it. It'll be the last thing we experience this side of eternity, but everybody will know somebody that goes through death and with death in the family or friends, or it can even be somebody that you don't know that well, but just that like repercussion and like ripple of grief can hit you. It's yeah. a very real thing that causes a lot of us to feel like we're in a valley brings up those questions. Where is God in this God? Why is this happening? Why is, why is bad things happen to good people? And all of those questions that we wrestle with, but it's a very real valley. And then what do you think we need to do throughout that valley? So, um, 
that all that advice that we gave in the beginning, it's good, like generic general advice, but um, th- there are some specific things that we can do for certain types of valleys. And, and when it comes to death, um, I, I think that the, the key is connection with other people. So we talked about the need for gathering, uh, but this is one of those areas where that connection is so important. Cause I, I mean, the, the whole pain of death is that it's a lost relationship. It's a lost connection whether it's a, a family member, a friend, and like like Will said, if you're at the point where I think our, our majority of our audience here is 20 to 30, and if you've not experienced the death of somebody else, like it is going to happen at some point in your life. And the loss of that connection, it hurts. I mean, it really does. And so this is where focusing on your connections with other people having a relationship with the existing body of Christ is so, so important. Um, so I, I would say that on a practical level, if that's the valley you're walking through right now, um, don't be afraid to reach out to people. Don't be afraid to reach out to your Christian brothers and sisters and say, hey, you know what? Like, I hurt. <laughs> this this hurts so bad. Talk about what you're feeling. Um you know, don't get fixated just on the bad stuff. Be willing and, and able as much as you can to talk about the good times, talk about good things, and and uh, especially if it's a Christian, you know, celebrate the the new life that they're getting. Um, really, yeah, just lean into that connection. Now, th- this is practical practical steps for the the person who may be walking through the valley. But the topic of this podcast is also um, where's God in that. Where, where is God in the, the valley of death? Um, well, what are your thoughts? Hey, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I shall fear no evil. For my God is with me. <laughs> you, you said it. You made me think it. Sorry. I but, had to. You know, I, I think of it as the whole grieving process, the whole like funeral process. All of that is for us because people to maneuver through these things, uh, and I think there's there's a big reason why most funerals like we gather in a church or like you have have a pastor give a, a short sermon, a reminder of hope, because death can be a way to bring us closer to God. It can be something that just happens. It's not like I don't think God's sitting there smiting somebody being like, boom, they got to go. So uh, these people will grow closer to God. But when it does happen, God's like, all right, you can lean into me. I have the love that you need. I have all the care, affection, and the church as the body of believers should be extending that love to those experiencing this grief and this loss to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this, this kind of moment. So it can bring us closer to God, can bring us closer to others. I know for many, the only time there's a family reunion is for a wedding or for a funeral. Yeah. 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 And it's a harsh reality of the world, but it can be a, be a good thing to find the joy in gathering. Yeah. I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree with that. This idea that like, Death is so often used by God. Like the way, you know, we ask, where is God in this? And one of the ways that he's using it is to bring us, like you said, closer to our family, closer to our friends, to to remind us of the relationships that we do still have and, and need to lean into. Um, I think 
you know, it, it's a reminder of our mortality too, that God, God reminds us that like, Hey, this is, this time is limited and, and, and you need to be making the best of it. Um, I, I think we all, are, sorry, go on. We are, but, uh, the old Testament word, the sojourners in this world, you're just yeah. here temporarily. A vapor in the wind. Through. Yeah. But I, I think too, that, um, God, he walks closer with us during those seasons. I think that's a big, a big thing is that we, sometimes when we're in the midst of losing someone, we feel like God is further away than ever. Uh, especially if it's someone that was really important to us, a mom or a dad, brother or sister, someone who's just really close to us. We get this feeling of like, God is not here. How could he let this happen? That's kind of the, the mentality that we go through. Um, but in reality, I think it's those times that God's actually walking the closest with us. And sometimes for some people, they describe it as a sense of peace. Some people, they, they literally sense his presence with them. Uh, but I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, Will, help, help me out here. How do you explain, like, how is God walking closer with us through these, these times of death? I mean, I, I've been through a, a lot of funerals and one of the consistent things is that God really, he really uses the church, his people to reach out this loving hand, which like that, that's the extension of what God is trying to do. And God can really comfort people through the process of knowing not just that the almighty ethereal God is there, that God's people are there. And through the way they are loved by people, it reminds them that God has love for them as well. Yeah. And it really does breed that, that sense of peace, that sense of God, this is awful, but I know you're still there and I know you're still good. And I might be mad at you for a little bit. We grieve, we go through those emotions, but I think God as a loving father stands there and is like, that's, that's okay. I get it. I understand. I think the, the last way that I, I see God acting through death and where I see him in death is interestingly enough. I think our question is always, why did you take this person from me? Why did you let this happen? We almost feel like God didn't act when somebody died and we get upset about that. But actually it's in death that we are reminded of God's power over death. We get so caught up with our physical bodies, our physical lives, because we can touch it. We can see it. We, it's right here, right now. Uh, but there's a the great verse and it, it's preached at so many funerals, but it comes from first Corinthians 15. It says, death, where is your sting? Uh, and, and the question is being asked because Jesus overcame death because yeah, Jesus physically died, but he came back and in doing that, and he came back physically too. It wasn't just like, Oh, he came back and he was a ghost just kind of wandering around. No, he physically came back. Like, uh, Thomas touched the holes in Jesus's hands. He felt his side and he, he knelt and he wept and he praised God. Jesus overcame death. And when somebody dies here, it's a reminder for us that, you know what? There's 
life after this. And it's so much better. It's so much bigger, so much more, more important, so much more real than, than what we have here. Uh, and I'd say that's, that's honestly probably the biggest one is like, God reminds us in death. God is with us in death, reminding us that what you feel right now, this loss that you feel, it's all going to go away. All of the pain, all the tears, it's all going to go away because that person, that body that you see there is not them. That body that you see there is not the person you love. They're here with me. They're here with me and, and living a, a greater life. A, a, you know, Maybe if they, if they died of disease, a cancer-free life, a disease-free life, a pain-free life. Like I have power over all of the hurts that that person was struggling with. I think that's probably, that's the most powerful way that God's with us is in reminding us that death is like that physical death is not the end for us. Yeah. There's definitely a difference between a funeral for somebody that's, that's a Christian, that's a believer that's connected with the body of Christ and for somebody that's not. And I think that's a reality of how we understand life and death. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we understand it as just an, the end of this life, but there's an eternal one ahead. And so, it, it, yes, we grieve, but there's also joy in that. Yeah. Now, as we kind of move on, because uh, death is probably something you will experience at some point, but there's a lot of other valleys in life. And we, we were talking about some relational valleys and mm. we're going to use that as a broad term because you know there's all kinds of relationships that we have that can get broken up hurt that are just going to cause us to go into this valley like a couple getting a divorce losing friends families fighting like all of those things are very real and you probably experienced or seen that to some level or another I'll even say, uh, and we didn't write this one down, but I can't believe we missed it, but even extended periods of singleness can be a big relationship valley for some people. Yeah. Um, but so like, oftentimes you can talk through some things in a relationship. There's there's a lot, and I think we we underestimate how much we actually can communicate if we really do try to work things out. And we can let go of a lot of things if it's not a huge issue, but there's sometimes really big issues that we can't let go of. There are things that happen and whether it's, it's on my end, your end, whatever, it's hard for us to work through. I think what it comes down to is that the relationship valleys happen when it can't be fixed or at least it can't be fixed immediately. Right. Or even going into these situations can just pop you right down. Yeah. It's, it's that the reality is that sometimes like there are going to be fights that take a long time to recover from. And yeah, like the moment that fight starts, like, yeah, you're going to, you're going to get down into the Valley, but when it really lasts, I think that's the, that's the daunting part is when it's not just like a, you know what, we're going to go to bed tonight. We're going to wake up. We're going to be fine. But that knowledge of, oh man, this is going to consume us for for weeks, for months, maybe even the rest of our lives. Uh, and again, it's important to remember, like that's not just like a divorce stuff. These kind of relationship valleys, it's not just among married people, but even between friends. Um, I, I know 
all too well the pain of of losing close friends because of arguments and things like that. Um, those valleys suck too. They hurt. Uh, family members that just they don't want to talk to you sometimes for years. You may not hear from a family member. Um, those valleys are are a really big deal, uh, and they hurt. So again, we go back to this question of where is God in those relationship valleys? Then I think the first place that God is in a lot of those things is in this place with our relationship with God can help us make it a little bit easier to one not not engage in the meaningless fight. Because there's some people that just want to fight to fight and argue and yeah, they can, God can really help us to just be like, all right, let go of that unhealthy relationship, that friendship, whatever, like you just need to take a break and trust me here. And that can be really hard to do, but I think having God in your life and just saying, God, I give this to you. It's really hurting. I'd love to be able to fix this. I can't at this point. I don't know how, or maybe they're not willing. Maybe I'm not willing. Mm. And giving that to God can be a, a new level of closeness with God over a lot of these things. I think also what makes it a little bit easier to go through these relationship valleys, especially when it is one that requires you to let go of the relationship, is if you already have a relationship with God. You know, we, we there's two different metaphors that God uses to describe our relationship with one with Him. Um, one is from John fifteen fourteen when Jesus says, "You are my friends if you do what I command you," and and it sounds really corny to say, "Oh, well, I don't need friends; I have Jesus." Um, it's not like that, but there is a comfort in knowing that even if all of your friends and your family abandon you, for one, God knows what that feels like; He went through it, uh, and two. You have a friend that's never going to abandon you. That's a huge comfort to, to be reminded of that. And we, we often forget and we undervalue how important it is that we have Jesus Christ, like the Lord of all creation, calls us his friend. That's huge. You want to talk about walking through a valley knowing you are never alone, like Jesus calls you friend. And then even closer of a relationship than that in Isaiah 54 or five and a whole lot of other verses throughout the Bible. Honestly, uh, we're reminded that we are the bride of Christ. We are, we are the bride of God. Like that's, that's the kind of intimacy that God has with us, the kind of closeness that he has with us. We're, we're more than even just friends. Like we are that level of closeness and the reason I say that is for the person who maybe is walking through a relationship valley that's not just with a friend, but maybe even with a spouse. Maybe they're absent. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe you already went through it. Uh, just to, re to remind you that God says that we are his bride. That's the level of intimacy and closeness. So if you're not getting that from your spouse, if, you're, if your spouse has walked out on you, there is a, there is a bridegroom who is not going to leave. There's a, there's a groom who loves you and is willing to die for you. That's where Christ is in that. That's where God is in those, those relationship valleys. Um, yeah. One of the other things is that these experiences of going through loss of relationship, friendship, whatever, God can really be shaping you and yeah. how you're developing. 
I often tell like people, whoever you're around is going to shape you and God might very well be shaping you differently by curating the people around you. And in, I think it's John 15, Jesus uses this metaphor of like, he's going to prune the branches. Uh, he is the vine. They are the branches talking to his disciples. And I, I think that process continues in us today, that there's still pruning. And sometimes that means things that aren't good or healthy for us, whether we even realize that it's not good or not healthy for us. God might be calling us out of those, those situations, those relationships, pruning those, cutting the off the bad branches, whatever in our life is not producing good fruit. And that can be hard, but I think it's a very real thing. I've experienced it in my own life of God being like, Hey, like, you can't be this close to that person right now because it's not good for you and your relationship with me. Yeah. And I mean, he's using relationships to kind of give back to himself. I, I think also this is kind of going back to like finding God in death. Um, it's one of those things where it's really hard to see when you're going through the midst of it. It's hard to believe that God would be using something so painful to shape you until you look back. And, and I've heard countless stories. I've seen it in my own life too, of people who they lost a relationship with a friend, with a spouse or the girlfriend, a family member, whatever it was. And it hurt so bad when they were going through it. But then years down the line, they look back and they go, yeah, you know what? It's a good thing that I'm not in that relationship anymore. Uh, you know, so I just want to encourage you to, it's not always easy to see where God is in these valleys. It's not easy to see how God is working through the valleys, but he definitely is. And a lot of times you're going to see it, maybe not in the moment, but years down the line. Oh, you'll definitely see it looking down the line. And one of the things that I, I always point out, especially when talking about relationships, and this is usually applied to like romantic relationships, but it applies kind of across the board as well. But make sure you don't worship another relationship over your relationship with God. Yeah. God will I cut think, that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Our culture, like, we worship relationships. We worship this idea that there's going to be another person that just completes me. No, God will do that whole completing you process with or without somebody else in your life romantically or, you know, like I said, it could even be a platonic friendship that you're like, man, this person just helps me so much. Even family and some, some people like they put family at the level of God, like family is everything. Family always comes first. It's like, no, God comes first. Even before your spouse, even before your mom and dad, even before your brother and sister, God comes first. And last one, even before your kids. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so that's, those are all like the realities of it, of like this, relational valley we we might get stuck in there might be in there for it might be a valley with some people and great highs with other but when we're in the valleys we do feel it and god's still with us through those things one of the next valleys we're going to talk about and this is the last one we're going to talk about in detail but like a job valley no <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, i the job valley, it, it can come in so many different ways. It can be uh, the loss of a job, whether being let go, fired, uh, layoffs, or quitting. It could be being in a bad job that's just not fitting for you. 
to- toxic work environment, you know. Hashtag food desert. service. <laughs> food service? Did you say all of food service? All of food service. That's what I've heard. Uh, and then like a job desert where like you are really just trying to get out of your current spot into something else. And you just cannot find it. That one, I I feel very deeply for quite a while. Yeah. I think I think this is a valley that's very near and dear to me and Will's personal stories. Uh, this is a valley we have a lot of experience in. Um, and so, the, again, the, the question, as always, is where is God in that valley when you have gone through the loss of a job, when you're stuck in the bad job, or you were just looking for any job and can't find it? Um, well, I want to go ahead and start us off with that one. Yeah. The, the first place is you kind of have to really learn to put your trust in God at, at a new level. Uh, cause this could very easily be a, at a economic level, you have to trust God. Yeah. You might not know where next meal is coming from, put your trust in God. Yeah. And like this, this kind of goes back to the Sabbath logic of like, it doesn't make sense to the world to just trust God and let go of this for a little bit and just be like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do my due diligence, but I'm also not going to stress about it. And it's hard. I wish I could say it was easy. <laughs> I really wish I could say Aww. it was easy. A lot of these things like, man, I wish I could just be like, oh yeah, just do this and you're, you'll be great. No, it's, it's doing those daily things that we were talking about earlier. Day in, day out, weekly, connecting with God to be able to trust him for these things. I think another area where God is working on us uh, in these valleys is, um, I worded that wrongly. I meant to say another where God is with us is that he is working on us in these valleys, uh, particularly with the job valleys, uh, where sometimes he's doing it to force us into a rhythm. Um, and, and again, that's, that's the Sabbath thing, but it's also, I mean, I use the example of somebody who loses a job or they're working 80 hours a week, they're making big money. Everything feels great. But at the same time that they're working all these hours are doing all this traveling and their work, 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 work all the time. Their family life is suffering. Maybe they don't even have a family life. Maybe they're 35 years old and they're still single because they've never had time to have a relationship. And I'm not trying to personally attack anyone. I'm just saying like it's a story that's all too common now. And sometimes I think the reason that God lets us get into these job valleys, the reason we lose those jobs is because he's trying to say, no, you need to stop. You need to reevaluate your priorities. Yeah, this job paid well. Maybe, Maybe it even made you feel a little fulfilled, but there's more to life than just your work. You cannot just work, work, work all day, every day until you die. There's, there's so much more that he has in store for us. I I feel like that, that mentality is probably not too big of a deal for our Gen Z kids out there. uh, (laughs) Cause I don't think any of us want to work every day, all day till we die. But there are some people who do need that reminder that there's more to life than work. That mindset in general is slowly waning. A little bit, yeah. But you you get the flip side of, I don't want to work, 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 work. I have to work, yeah. work, 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 work. Which is where I think a lot of people find themselves in, uh, you know, our, our age range of like, I need to do these things in order to just survive. Because life's expensive, my dude. Yeah. 
Um, so another another way of looking at these uh, these job valleys is doors. You know, people people love the you know God closes one door and opens another, um, or when God closes a door, He opens a window. They love those kind of hacky little phrases. But no, sometimes sometimes God's shutting a door on us just because you're not supposed to be there. I mean, you know, it's it's like when you're trying to say get into a certain field. And this, you find yourself in that job desert. You have applied to 15 different corporations that are all the dream places you want to work. It's all the same field. Every time the door gets closed, it's not because he's opening a window for you to apply to a 16th corporation that's ideal. Sometimes the reason the doors keep shutting is because that's not the way you're supposed to go. Some Sometimes the reason you find yourself in that job desert is because you were really trying to force yourself into something that you're not supposed to be in. That's a that's a hard reality, but sometimes the reason we're in a job desert is not because God's punishing us, but he's protecting us from ourselves because we are actually trying to force our way into a field that that's going to kill us. It's going to kill us spiritually or emotionally or financially, whatever it is. Um, sometimes those job valleys, what seems like a punishment or God being absent is actually God saving us. And the valleys make things seem so much longer than they actually are. Because I I look at this in just in the last two years, I have like I graduated from seminary. I started job hunting because it was just that the church I was serving at was great. Love the church, love the people, but it was not where God was calling me to be. I knew I needed to go someplace else just to have a full time job. There wasn't room for advancement there. We all knew it. We talked about it. It's all cool. We understood it. And then I went job hunting for like three or four months. And then, you know, you do interviews, second interview, whatever. Uh, and all of them in one church. And I expect better from churches personally that actually like gave me a follow up call and said, hey, we're not going with you. I was like, cool. Thank you. I had like a dozen churches ghost me. And then. You know, that can be very disheartening, but then seeing where God actually had for me and how this has worked out so well, I understand why every single one of those doors stayed closed. Yeah. I understand why. And again, hindsight's twenty twenty. but understand that that desert, God's probably holding out something better for you. Yeah. And, and then the last thing I wanted to say on this is that sometimes, uh, and this is for the, the people who their valleys a bad job, is that sometimes it's just God shaping you. Um, there's a great passage in, in Romans 5, and I don't know why I didn't write it in our notes, so I had to sit there and look it up while Will was talking, so forgive me, Will. But it's uh, he says, we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. And, and that's a, oh, it's a hard pill to swallow. And it's one that like, it's the last thing you ever want to hear when you tell someone how much you hate your job, when you're telling someone, oh yeah, this place is just not right for me. The last thing you want to hear is, do you ever think that maybe God is trying to build your character right now? Do you ever think that maybe God is using this to build your endurance? Um, this is something I, I wrestle with this. I, I, I struggle with this myself. Uh, I, I mean, obviously you guys heard me grumble about food service already. Um, but, but the reality is, and I have to remind myself of this really every day that I go in is that food service is an example of a job that will test your patience. 
a lot. People like I, I'm serious that the, with coworkers that maybe don't do their job right, uh, with customers that ask for things that they don't even realize like how over the top their requests are. People are gonna push the limits of your patience. But here's the thing: I I'm a youth pastor now, as well as a deli clerk, and one day I hope to be a, a pastor of a church. And if you can't be patient with somebody when they're ordering a sandwich, how are you going to be patient with someone when they come to you and they sit down in your office and they say, hey, Pastor Ben, Pastor Will, um, I'm going through a divorce. Hey, Pastor Ben, Pastor Will, uh, my, my spouse just cheated on me. Hey, uh, my son just died. Because you want to talk about people who are going to have unrealistic expectations. You're going to talk about people who are needy, who who are going to consume your time. It's those people who are going through desperate, desperate need. As much as I I, I don't like food service, as much as I don't enjoy uh, that part of my job, the reality is that I know God has used it to shape me. I know that God has, has used it to increase my patience because there's going to come a time when I have to be patient with much more than a food service order. God uses those jobs to prepare us for much bigger, much more important things. The patience is real. He deals with me on a regular basis. That's true. That's true. That's, that's a gift from God above. And I don't know if he would have made it without food service time. Um, and we don't want to not recognize that there's a lot of other valleys that we deal with. Right. Like there are so many things that can come up. There could be a mental health valley. Depression is real. Uh, therapy is great. For that. <laughs> Physical health is also a very real valley where, you know, you get injured. You can't do the things that you want to do. Maybe you realize, man, I got out of shape. It was an accident, whatever. Very real valley. Spirituality, finances. There are so many other things that can create a valley in our own life. But it's important to remember that God is walking through it with you in some way, shape, or form. And it's not always easy, but I promise you, he's there. Yeah, so as we as we walk through these valleys, and, and I say we because you know we're, we're walking through them together. We are. Um, as we walk through these valleys, whatever valley it is, uh, if you feel distant, we want to encourage you to really go back to that first part and, and think about the ways that you stay to connected to God and your community. Focus on those routines that are, are putting life into your spirit, into your soul. Make sure that you're you're doing your part in staying connected to God. Um, understand that like change is hard. Whether it's changing relationships, changing job, whatever it is, change is hard. But God can use that change to, to do bigger and better things with you. And, and, and he's going to be with you through the changes. He doesn't just walk away. God never walks away from you. So don't be afraid of those seasons. Don't be afraid of these valleys and recognize that like he, he's there. We all feel those moments. We, we all go through them. But he's there with you. Uh, and lastly, just a couple things we want to encourage you to do is be graceful with yourself when you're going through them. That's, that's really hard to do, especially when, especially like the job one, man, people really beat themselves up on that one. But B, we are our biggest critics. Yeah. 
do not talk to yourself a way you would not talk to another human. Yeah, being. absolutely. Um, and, and then lastly, just be real with the emotions that are coming with all of these valleys, good, the bad, the ugly. And if you don't know what that looks like, if you don't know how to express your emotions in a way that that feels appropriate, look at the Psalms. You want to talk about someone who is brutally honest with God. Like I am in tears. I am crying. I am in a rage. Like the Psalms are full of those very real emotions. Um, be real with God, be real with yourself, be real with the emotions that are coming out of it. Uh, and we'll, we'll quote it earlier. Psalm 23, such a powerful, powerful verse. It's so, it almost feels overused sometimes, but I, I can't deny the power of the statement. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you, my God, are with me. God is with you no matter what valley you're walking through. Even if it's the valley of the shadow of death, God is with you in that. Thanks again for listening this week. We'd like to give a special thank you to Travis D'Amato for both our theme music and sound editing. If you like either, you can find and contact him at Music 93 on Instagram. That's D-A-M-A-T-O music. 93. Remember to follow us on social media at Everyday Faith Podcast. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to share it. We're always looking for feedback to help us grow, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening to the Everyday Faith Podcast.